I don't believe in miracles. I depend on that. It's it's just a matter of, am I going to open my eyes in this moment to the possibility or am I going to look away? Welcome back to the Awakening Her podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Elizabeth Kipp. Elizabeth is a chronic pain management expert, addiction recovery coach, ancestral clearing practitioner, yoga teacher, and best-selling author who specializes in helping people heal from chronic pain. I know you're going to love this episode as we dive into all things healing on all the levels, physical, emotional, spiritual. You're going to love what Elizabeth has to share with us today. So without further ado, let's welcome Elizabeth onto the show. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. It's so great to be here, Talia. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be such a good conversation. We've just had a couple moments of getting to know each other and we have a lot of similarities. I can't wait to see how it, how it unfolds in this. So um, can you start by just telling us a little bit about you, maybe just you personally, where you are in the world and and what your business is all about? Sure. Uh, I live in Lawrence, Kansas, which uh, for those of you that don't know is literally in the center of the country. The, the geographic central center point in the country is in Lawrence, Kansas. Wow. Um, <laughs> down the road from where I live. Um, I'm a chronic pain management specialist, <clears throat> um, a trauma-trained and yoga-informed addiction recovery coach, ancestral clearing tech practitioner, and yoga and meditation teacher. That sounds like a lot of hats, uh, but all those things underneath the chronic pain are things that support um, people that are um, either trying to heal from chronic pain or are, are in uh, recovery from addiction and find themselves in chronic pain. Mm. So I, 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 all of those things help uh, that experience, help heal from that experience. Um, I live with my cat. Um, I, am a, I have a yoga practice. I'm a writer. Oh, I wrote a book. Uh, I wrote a book, uh, The Way Through Chronic Pain, Tools to Heal, uh, to Reclaim Your Healing Power, which is a little bit about um, my journey, but mostly it's a book for chronic pain sufferers and those who care for them, doctors, nurses, family members, and friends. And it offers, offers proven techniques to clear pain and live a pain a life free from suffering. From me, a former chronic pain sufferer who searched the globe for answers and found them. And I, I lived with chronic pain for over 40 years. Mm. <clears throat> wow. The doctors said, uh, until the last doctor I found, the doctors uh, said um, um, things like, you will be in pain for the rest of your life and you will be in a wheelchair when you're 40. And I had a science background. And I understood the error that that pronouncement made in that doctors are not fortune tellers. They can't make pronouncements like that and be honest. They live in this scientific paradigm and in science, everything is probable. It's all probabilities. There's no facts, there's no black and white. It's not not even a keystroke, maybe. (laughs) It's always maybe (laughs) probable that, right? They didn't say it's probable that. They said you will which left no room for hope. And I, 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 call, I, call, I call them on that, that was an error. 
The other thing is about science. And I love science. I have a science background. I have a plant science degree. I'm well-trained in, in like trauma science now and, and uh, it's kind of general biology, evolutionary biology, all kinds of stuff within the biology realm. <clears throat> science can only comment about that which it can measure, uh, observe and describe. It can't comment on anything outside of that. But where do we live and where do we heal? We live in the all it is and we heal in the all it is, not just in the world that science can observe, measure, and describe. We heal in all of it. So we have to look everywhere for our healing. And that was my journey to healing. I looked everywhere. Mm. Oh, this is like minute three of the interview. I'm already all the feelings. Something I didn't share with you um, is that I am incredibly committed to heal my chronic pain. And in the last even week, I have become even more committed and new tools and new explorations where I'm sitting in this place in this current moment of, I am absolutely going to heal pain that I have suffered with since I was maybe about eight years old that no one can describe. I don't really talk about it. I don't, um, I don't know. It's just been this thing everywhere. It into it comes into everything that I do. I didn't even plan on sharing this. It's so weird to all of a sudden have it come up, but it's very important because I'm so on the same page as what you're saying and so ready to hear this personally. And I know my audience can relate so much. Um, so I, I just love that and giving that sort of you will. And I love that even according to science, you can't do that. You can't, that's not you know, and, and the other thing I was thinking is that science is always changing. What we used to say was fact has now changed. And, you know, we like to say like the earth used to be flat and now we know it's round and things change. So um, I love that you're saying that too, just from the very practical mind for all of you that have had these prognoses or been told, I was told I would never heal from my eating disorder. I was personally, I've been told I will never be out of pain. And I've had doctors say like, you know, if you want to be able to walk when you're 80, you need to, you know, not do this and not do that. And it just has always felt like that doesn't feel true for me, but I do experience the pain. So I love where we're going to go today. And you know, how many people this is going to help, including myself, I can tell. <laughs> so, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. And you said you suffered with chronic pain for 40 years. Can you talk a little bit about that and sort of your own, own personal journey with pain? Sure. Um, I, I, um, I'll tell you when I noticed it <clears throat> was when I, I had an accident when I was 14. I, I um, fell off a horse and landed on a rock and split my fifth lumbar into front to back. And I got up from that accident and walked away. And I didn't realize I, I'd hurt myself other than I hurt. I felt it, but I, I just didn't realize that it was so bad because I was physically able to get up and walk away. And I had seen a number of people fall from horses and not get up. So I was like, I'm good. I hurt, but I'm good, right? It's kind of like that. So um, anyway, fast forward to 14 years later, um, I needed surgery because the, the, that bone slipped forward the front part of that bone slipped forward into my pelvis and pulled the leg nerves with it and created instability in the spine. And uh, I had a chiropractor that kept me together for about the last, this, that after, after seven years after that accident, I was okay. And then I got in a lot more pain. 
and a chiropractor uh, kept me going. And then the chiropractor said one day, you know, some of our patients need surgery and you're one of them. And I actually was like, oh, <laughs> a chiropractor is sending me to a surgeon. Maybe I actually need one, right? Because I, I had already been to the uh, orthopedics and they they were all like, you know, fusion. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. And anyway, so 14 years after this accident, I went and had a fusion. I ended up having to have three of them and then a corrective surgery after that. Um, that's when all the pain medicine started with the surgery. And um, so I was on... They gave me uh, opiates and benzodiazepines, which is an anti-anxiety medicine. And I was on this for 31 years until I finally found a doctor that could take me off. And the last 15 years of that pain medicine journey was fentanyl. And, you know, Xanax or Ativan or whatever, one of those benzodiazepines. So it, it's, it's, it's not by chance that I'm here. <laughs> I mean, there were lots of, there are lots of people that, that are on fentanyl and they just, fall asleep and die because they, they can't, they, they stop breathing in their sleep. So it, it's a dangerous drug. I mean, uh, it, that's, I was on prescription level med. Uh, uh, I was on, I was taking the drug as ordered. I wasn't, it wasn't like I was a street taking street drugs. It wasn't like that. And it, there were still patients that were, that were dying. So it was a dangerous drug anyway. So, um, it wasn't until, and I went into a pain management program in, 19, in 2013 um, to get off the detox, off the medicine and, and learn something about pain management. And I had no idea. The guy said, oh, I get Dr. Doctors. His name was Dr. Peter Prescott. Um, he said, I can help you reset your stress response. And maybe your pain is being, being caused by your pain medicine. And I'm like, who are you? And where have you been all my life? And yes, <laughs> right, yes, yes, wow. please reset my stress response. I didn't have to say anything to him. He knew I was having panic attacks left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. It was because of the benzodiazepines. They actually, we take them for any anxiety, but after a while, they turn around and bite you in the butt and they give you exactly what you were trying to get away from. That's mm -hmm. kind of how they are. So you're not supposed to be on them long term. Dr. Peter wrote this book chronic pain, a conquer chronic pain and innovative mind body approach. He passed away, but he left this with us. Anyway, he, he took me through uh, this pain management, his pain management program. And I wasn't the only one. He had a 94% success rate. I walked in that program with over 40 years of chronic pain. And I walked out 52 days later with no pain. Whoa. And I haven't had it since, even when I, I've broken some bones since I got out, and I've, I haven't had any pain medicine. I've just, I, I had, well, I had, a, I had a little bit, I had some, I had pain medicine when they gave me a kyphoplasty. I broke a vertebrae a couple of years ago and they did this procedure, it's called a kyphoplasty and they, they shoot kind of a human super glue in your, in your vertebra. And they gave me some fentanyl just for that moment, but that wasn't any long-term, it was just in the moment. It was highly, it was, it was just, you know, gone and done kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, anyway, so it wasn't until I got into Dr. Peter's program that I was like, well, wait a minute. The doctors never said to me, what's, why isn't Elizabeth healing? They always assumed I wouldn't. And Dr. Peter Prescott was the one that asked, why isn't Elizabeth? He, he knew, he knew. And, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so 
that began my understanding of like what happened to me that kind of led up to all this. Why wasn't Elizabeth healing? Because I had these surgeries, the body just wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't heal. And that had to do with my childhood and emotional traumas that I, I grew up in a, in a, in a, with an alcoholic bipolar mother. And um, it was very chaotic and it's the life that I knew. I didn't, that was my normal. I didn't know anything else. (laughs) So I, how am I supposed to know I'm having a strange life? Uh, I had all kinds of troubles right at birth. There was a lot of birth trauma and separation. And um, so there was, there was a lot of um, early developmental kind of uh, trauma that I had that I, I, I had no idea was affecting me. So uh, those were the things. So I've been working on all those things. And uh, Dr. Peter did a lot of, helped us do a lot of work around that. Uh, in, in pro- he got kind of the, I got the lion's share of, of that work done in his program. And then it was up to me to continue that work you know, into my recovery. So that, and then I was like, I was like, um, I was going to pain track every afternoon at this, um, at this uh, treatment center. And there were 20 of us that were in the pain management program and the other 80 uh, patients on campus were going to relapse school. And I wasn't getting any training in relapse. And so I asked my counselor one day, okay, what am I supposed to do about that, right? And how am I supposed to get that training? And she said, well, in the first year of recovery, there's an 80% relapse rate. And I looked at her and the first thing I said to myself, I didn't like the odds. I'm like, in my head, I said, I'm doomed. And the second thing I said, because I started out as a social scientist in college, the second thing I said was, What's wrong with this model? With our whatever our recovery model is, we need to do better. And so, in that moment, I decided to dedicate my life to moving the needle on that relapse rate. How can we make a better model? So that's that's so chronic pain management specialist. But I really work with people that are that are because uh, chronic pain is, is is actually a form of addiction. So mm-hmm. I'm, I really work with people that are having that issue and people in recovery that are having a chronic pain problem and don't want to take medicine. Mm, That is, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do because we are in a time where we need to remember this stuff as a collective. We need to get away from the medications and I'm not an extremist. I'm not, you know, for anyone listening, this isn't about just go off all your medications, but there are ways for our body to heal. And it's not just about taking more drugs and, you know, band-aiding it because to me, that's not healing, right? That's just covering up the symptoms. Oh, the symptom is pain, cover it up. We're not actually healing. And I love that one person finally looked at you and went, huh, why isn't Elizabeth healing? Whereas the rest were just like, well, obviously you're not going to heal. You're never going to heal from this. And that was the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's definitely yeah, that just is so profound. And so when you were in his program in those 52 days, you, you were saying, uh, you know, that there was unprocessed stuff from childhood. Was that his main, um, sort of angle of why he thinks people are continuing to, and, and you now, you know, continuing to experience chronic pain is because of unresolved traumas and things that we experienced when we were younger. It was part of it. It was part of it. I, I appreciated that part. There were really four different bits 
there was the unresolved trauma piece, there was the um, there was the Qigong piece because he he was a Qigong healer and he he taught us Qigong, which for the audience is a movement. Um, it's a, it's um, he learned it from Kung Fu. He was a Kung Fu practitioner since when he was six and he was my age. So long time, <laughs> long time. Right. Um, and, uh, and so there was the Kung Fu part and, and yoga would fit in that. Right. So Tai Chi, uh, Qigong, yoga fit in kind of that space, that that second space. The other one is ancestral clearing. So uh, clearing the trauma the sorry clearing the burdens of the past that you kind of came in with mm. that you came in with from your lineage or that you picked up from the past in this lifetime so ancestral clearing was a piece um and then the other piece was this other one which i just was like oh you gotta be kidding me it's my first day in his classroom and I'm sitting there with 20 other people just like me, and which was a surprise to me that there were 20 other people just like me. They called us all hickory nut cases because other doctors couldn't crack our case, right? Mm-hmm. And and, and we're, so we're sitting in the room and Peter says, what are you doing to cause your pain? Sorry, what are you doing to contribute to your pain? And I'm sitting there f- fresh off of the detox ward in this room with all these strangers and I'm thinking to myself, we're all chronic pain patients in here. Is he trying to get himself killed? Like, how could he say that? What am I doing to contribute to my pain? It's doing it to me. That was my attitude. Mm-hmm. It's doing it to me, right? And I sat there and with, I didn't say a thing. It's just what went through my head. And I sat there and within a minute and a half, I realized he was talking about all kinds of behaviors that I had that I was contributing to my pain my judgment of my pain. Oh, this pain is bad, right? Just that is enough to lock it in more. I don't want this pain. I'm trying to get rid of it. That kind of stuff, right? So those are the four things, right? Um, Childhood trauma, uh, movement, ancestral clearing, and what am I doing to contribute to my pain? And did you carry on those principles um, from what he taught you? Do you teach something similar now? And I'm curious all these years later, how your teachings and what you found in all your practice now and with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I teach, I teach his, I actually wrote my book is a companion book to his, his is like a researchery doctory book on chronic pain and mine's kind of the user's manual (laughs) to it. And we both have exercises uh, that you can, that you can do. Uh, so they, they're kind of a nice match set. Um, also, I went deep into, uh, into uh, learning about what we know about trauma, because it's a fairly new field. And, um, and I've added that really kind of a fundamental understanding of polyvagal theory and the, what happens with the vagus nerve and, and, and how dysregulated we get and how important it is to um, get that toned and regulated. Um, just so the audience is very clear, chronic pain, let's define it. Chronic pain is any pain that's felt 15 days out of 30 for three months or more. So any pain, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, uh, any pain that's felt, uh, it all sends the same signal to the brain. It hurts. Uh, The brain can't tell the difference, as I said uh, to you before we started recording, between 
a broken bone, the pain of a broken bone and the pain of a broken heart is all the same to the brain. And why is that important? Because chronic pain, which is not acute pain, that's kind of short-term, this longer-term pain, it changes the way the brain uh, uh, processes uh, pain signals. We get uh, a lot of chaos and brain fog with chronic pain, like I can't remember what I just did, um, uh, or uh, I'm, I'm confused, or I, I just, I, I'm having a difficult time, I can't focus, that kind of thing. Anybody that's got a chronic pain uh, history knows this. And the other thing that happens in chronic pain is we get a, a much more marked, marked um, negative mind. You know, oh, what's wrong with me? Blaming others. Um, um, a, a lot of a lot of negative talk in the brain. So those are those. So my my methods are geared towards rewiring the brain because the brain gets distorted from chronic pain. And part of healing those changes is what can we do to help rewire the brain? The biggest thing we can do beyond ancestral clearing, which I find to be, I, that's kind of the first thing that I do is meditation. But here's the thing. Oftentimes people in chronic pain, the reason they have chronic pain because they have unresolved trauma in the system. And when you ask somebody who's got that in their system to sit still, you're putting them right into fight flight shutdown response. And so I have to kind of find out, you know, what's the, how do you do that? So I, I find out if they can't sit still, I'll take them into kind of a moving meditation or a chanted meditation or a, a um, uh, so using music to kind of, so that the body has something to do mm. and then, but they can still, still kind of, um, I don't use, I, I'm, I'm using the word uh, metaphorically hypnotize the mind. So mm -hmm. that the mind Kind of quiets down. It doesn't. It's not all that chaos in there. It quiets down. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the angle I use. Um, I teach trauma informed yoga once a week, so three times a week at this point. But I teach it offline, online, uh, to my people. So you can get it on the website. Um, it's an hour and a half class, and it's geared specific. It's yoga specifically from a trauma informed viewpoint, which is different than a straight up yoga class. Mm. I love all of, I, it just makes so much sense that combination of different modalities and ways of thinking and tools, because we are, you know, the human experience is a complex one, but we are energetic beings, but we are in a human body. So the way I see it is like when that human body is experiencing ailments, it, there's so many more causes going on. And I love that you go to the ancestral and the body movement and the trauma from this lifetime and things like that, because that is what makes up who we are. And I see people all the time, especially when they first come to me, they might be overwhelmed or feel like they don't know really what they're doing or they sabotage, they can't trust themselves or whatever's going on. And they're the ones that are wrong and bad for it in their mind. You know, if I could just be more motivated, if I could just get it together and I could just be, and it's like, we are so much more than just like a physical shell and a mind that if we were motivated enough, we could do this. And when it comes to pain, that has been something that's been so relieving in the last few years is actually realizing that I'm it's a multifaceted sort of issue for lack of better words. And I first found Louise Hay when I was like mm -hmm. 20 maybe and started learning about 
exactly how the different ailments and at that time it was just back pain. And when I was going through the book and looking at like what back pain was, it was always my mid back is where it kind of started and looking at the energetic component is feeling unsupported. And it just friggin' hit me. I just was like in tears because that hit it. I felt deeply unsupported by my mom, by these people, by things that had happened in my lifetimes. I had been let down as you had kind of touched on earlier, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it was like, no way, you know, it was a, it was an opening, but then it took me another solid decade or more to actually circle back and come back into like the deeper meanings of the pain. But it just, I just love that you're saying this stuff because I want everyone to know out there. I know several clients, close friends, people in the community with chronic pain that not only is there a way to healing, but it's not just from one thing that's going wrong. And if you find this one thing, you know, then, then it's going to be healed. Like you are a multi multi-dimensional being with lots of different aspects. Um, and I just love that you're, you're sharing that it's so interesting. And it's so in some ways, my soul is like relieved. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> this, there's more to it than just me being, you know, broken somehow. Um, I'd love to hear about the ancestral part. Why do you feel like that is first and what do you discover in that? And maybe even your own journey with healing your ancestral, um, junk that's been passed on from lack of better words. (laughs) Yeah, I, I experienced, um, I experienced ancestral clearing in uh, uh, Dr. Piscop's pain track um, the very first time, and I didn't know it was coming. (laughs) And uh, uh, John Newton of Health Beyond Belief, uh, who's online, um, is the teacher and the, uh, this is his work, he's trademarked and registered this, this uh, process. And he was a wellness practitioner in, in uh, Dr. Peter's um, program. And he introduced this and I, I had, I was just sitting there detoxing and I'm just trying to like keep it cool in, in, in front of all these strangers in this room. And he walks in and, and he introduced this process and, 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 and he just had his uh, 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 silently reading English. <laughs> it was just an English um, uh, a, a forgiveness prayer was what it was. And I, I knew about Sanskrit words. I, I knew about Sanskrit words being powerful because I had done lots of like mantra work, but I hadn't done English kind of work. And I, 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 so I wasn't prepared. Right? I was just like, what's this? You know, I'm just like, okay, we'll do whatever he says kind of thing because I was open. And I, and I, so he had us um, asked everybody, what's your pain level zero to 10? before we started this process. And mine was at an eight. And the numbers in the room were like eight to 20. <laughs> we had all that in the room. And and we got, and he asked us to read this, it's just a sheet of paper. He asked us to read this prayer silently, not even out loud. And I just started reading the prayer. Halfway through the prayer, I'm like, I felt the room shift. And I'm like, looking around and of course I got crazy in my family so I, I thought I'd gone a little crazy because I'm detoxing anyway so when I, when something strange happens like that I have a default that goes uh-oh I just went crazy like that I kind of went there and then I felt my pain start to dissipate and I went okay that's real <laughs> I know that's real right and my pain just phew, dropped down to a two by the time I was finished reading that thing and I'm sitting there going what is going on in this room and then John says, what's everybody's pain level? And everybody's pain level was eight to zero. Mine was at a two. 
and down from eight to 20, right? And I'm like, what's, as it's my science hat was so on. And I was like, what's happening in this room? Is this measurable? Is it repeatable? And does he teach it? Like, we have to research this, you know, <laughs> it was all that. And I went and took the first training that I, that I could find, which is about six, within six months, I took the first training he offered as a, to be a practitioner. And I've been doing that work ever since pretty much every day on the planet somewhere, <laughs> right? Wow. On, online, on the phone, uh, in person, in groups, separate, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's very so powerful. Yeah, it's so interesting to me that even though your mind was going like, what? And I don't know. And am I crazy? That you felt such a substantial, substantial shift because I know that our mind can block us from the wisdom of the trees and the magic of the moment and our intuition and all these other things. So why is, was it so powerful? And maybe you were just at a point where you were friggin' ready. It was your time or whatever, but why was it so powerful? Even though your mind was going crazy, what's your perspective now? on that my perspective is having been a practitioner of this work for a long time and i i it's kind of you're kind of a little bit asking me to explain chocolate so what the chocolate experience so i'll, I'll give your listeners an experience of ancestor clearing in just a bit but my feeling is there's a few elements that we need that are, have to have put in place in order for ancestor clearing to work one we're calling in creator energy <clears throat> so it's not John wasn't a healer. I'm not as a practitioner. I'm not a healer. We're facilitating the process. That's what we're doing. The creator's doing the work because that's way above my pay grade, right? Creator's mm-hmm. doing the work, the healing kind of work. The other part is we bring in, <clears throat> uh, we ask creator, we bring in forgiveness, which is we're, we're asking creator to uh, please help us we're helping help us release this burden we're carrying. So forgiveness in the sense of help us release it, right? We're not telling creator, we're not doing that. We're asking for help in releasing the burden that we carry. So second element, the third and fourth is please and thank you, humility and gratitude. So those are the four elements, which is this, just this incredible mixture. And, And then the fifth one is presence. And I was able, and I was, a, I'm a long-term med. I've been meditating since I've been like 1970 something. So a long-term meditator know how to be present. And that, that was my saving grace because I knew how to be present beyond the mind and all of its chattering. I could, mm-hmm. I could kind of watch that, but I was still present. And that's what saved me in that press in that moment, mm. the ability to be present. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that. I just love that. And I love that you touch on the help me to release. And I say that a lot, like, Mm -hmm. yes, the universe is your sugar daddy, where what you want can come forward. Really. I do believe we can manifest a million dollars or healing for our chronic pain or relationships to shift, whatever it is, but it's you that does it with source creation energy backing you up and fueling you and showing you and helping you and supporting you, but you still have to walk the path. So when we say universe, just take this from me without the energy of please help me to release this, please show me the way, like almost like I can't do this alone and I want your help versus 
you know, I've placed my order go. That's a very different energy. And so I love that you touched on that because I do believe in whatever it is that we're calling for recognizing having that personal responsibility, but also that co-creation energy of please help me to to do this, show me how to release. I'm willing, I'm open. I'll do that a lot where I'll say like, I'm willing, I'm open. I'm, I will be led. Please help me. And that's so much more effective than I want this much money or I want this now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So really important. Uh, I'm not telling creator what to do uh, in this. We don't tell creator what to do in this process. We ask for help. Mm -hmm. And my experience is when I ask for help and it comes from the heart, I get it. Now, I mean, I get it in the way I wanted it or thought I wanted it or, you know, but I get it <laughs> and and I get served by it. So um, I can I'm happy to give your uh, uh, the listeners just a, a little taste of an ancestral clearing, just like maybe a 30 second one. So they get yeah. what it feels like. Beautiful. If everybody yeah. could just be, be um, uh, just sit still and um, stay present in the moment. Just notice how the body feels and let these words just pass over you. A creator, all that you are, not just what they told us you were, but all that you truly are. Would you please help us, everyone on this, on this, uh, uh, that hears this recording <clears throat> throughout all time, space, dimension, realms, lifetimes, and incarnations, help all of our ancestors and all of the, their relations Please help us all to forgive and release any hurts and wrongs uh, we did to others. Any hurts and wrongs they did to us, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and any hurts and wrongs we did to ourselves. Please help us all forgive and release these hurts and wrongs. Help us release each other. Help us release ourselves. Please and thank you. For any time we were abandoned, not supported, nurtured, and loved the way they ne- we needed, Times when we weren't able to support, nurture, and love others the way they needed, and times we weren't able to love and support ourselves. Please help us all to relive, forgive and release each other, forgive and release ourselves. Please and thank you for all let down, disappointment, all the times we were blamed, judged, misunderstood, any time we were rejected, for all old grievances as far back as needed. Please help us all to forgive and release one another, forgive and release ourselves for all of it, no matter what it was. Forgive and release, find peace with one another and find peace with ourselves. Please and thank you, please and thank you, please and thank you. And take a breath in and let it out and how does it feel in the body? Just notice. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. That's just a little snippet, you yeah. know, the sessions last, last, um, my sessions last 50 minutes. So we, we go, we go deep and there's five different techniques. I just used one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's five different kind of, we have all different angles. We can kind of get at the, the lineage. Um, and, uh, and I always like to include letdown. So there's, there's like, there's like, oh, I have a resentment against so-and-so or, um, uh, this thing happened to me and it really upset me. And so, yes, we deal with the trauma around. We, we don't really treat trauma. We don't treat anything in this practice. We just address the spiritual aspects of it. But we also include the letdown and the grief experience that goes with that so that we kind of 
take a kind of a, a full picture is if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like that because I think we've experienced this as children being let down and our mind might feel like we basically like we feel that it's unprocessed, but we could feel bad and we try to go, Oh, well, they were just doing the best they could, or, Oh, I should be grateful for what I had or, Oh, and we don't allow ourselves to experience that in that simplicity of like, I was let down. I was let down over and over again, whether some people, it was their parents, their caregivers, the system, the universe, God source, whatever it was for them, people, we feel that and we can talk ourselves out of it so quickly. So I love that you include that in there because it almost gives permission. It's okay, you know, to feel let down and to nurture and love and forgive and move through. And, you know, that's a beautiful, a beautiful part of it. Yeah. It's so important because that part, the younger part of ourselves that felt that we may have at the time gone, Oh, it's not that bad. My thing is like, I'll deny, Oh, that didn't happen. Just move on, you know, or Mm -hmm. she didn't mean that, you know? So there's a part of me that, that got hurt, but I, I was so busy trying to like, I was so uncomfortable in the moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was so busy trying to get to the next moment that I, I completely, that little part of me never got any light. It never got the light of day. It just got suppressed. So we, this practice helps uh, recognize and acknowledge those those parts of us that we kind of swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. It's how we survived. Yeah, absolutely. So have you seen in your practice um, some, I mean, I'm guessing you've seen people over and over that were told by doctors that they will never heal, they will be in chronic pain. Um, has has Are you, almost like my question, is kind of like, can anything be healed given in your experience or from your perspective with the right nurturing and this type of stuff, processing this energy and moving it through and releasing and all of that? Do you feel like anything can be healed? Well, I am not a doctor. So I'm just putting that out there to the obviously I didn't introduce myself as a doctor. So I'm, I'm very cautious about that. However, I... I have seen enough in my life that, like I said, in Dr. Peter's program, he had a 94% success rate. And and everybody that walked in there, their doctors are going, we don't even know what to do with you other than, you know, throw drugs at you. So um, I, I, I don't believe in miracles. I depend on them. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're, they just, it's, it's just a matter of, am I going to open my eyes in this moment to the possibility or am I going to look away? My old habit was to look away because it's too, you know, this is too painful. Well, when I finally got the courage to like sit and, and look and breathe, that whole thing that was keeping me locked in pain, it just, it just blew apart. It just dissolved. It went back to the nothingness from what you came. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're in the quantum, you know, the quantum physicists have, have, have done great things for us because they've moved us from the Newtonian into this quantum world. And we're understanding that we're really, you know, there's this thing called matter, but we're really energy. And it, there's, there, we're mostly nothing. <laughs> We're mostly made of nothing, right? We're just a lot of energy field and we're all, we're not just connected because that's kind of the, the, that's kind of the, 
the, in the spiritual community, oh, we're all connected, we're all one. It's not like that. We're enmeshed and entangled in one another. It's a lot more than connected. We're, you know, in there. So it's really important to kind of understand that. When we're in the present moment, that's when we heal. Present moment. What happens in the present moment? We have access to past, present, and future all at once, which is why ancestral clearing works. It clears the present moment, stuff in the present moment, the past lineage, and the and the and the future all at once. It's it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And you can't, the other piece of that is you can't heal in the past and you can't heal in the future. You can only heal now. Mm-hmm. So we have to be present. The challenge is that people that have unresolved trauma in their system, some are in a place where they have very, a very difficult time, difficult time being present. And I will refer that person to a therapist. And that's why I do trauma-informed kind of yoga to kind of help a person like that learn to be present in their body again. But I can't, I, I just don't, my, my qualifications, you know, it's kind of start and stop in certain places. And, and somebody like that, that, that's been so traumatized, they can't be in the present moment. They need, they need like, you know, help beyond my pay grade, right? Mm-hmm. But we also have to befriend the body. Chronic pain, we, we don't even want to be in the body. <laughs> so, and I've walked that journey. So uh, we learn how to, oh, my body's safe after all. I can trust it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's the journey. Um, it's also, my feeling is it's about a couple of other things. One is love. And the other is the ability to talk about manifesting the ability to envision yourself already healed. If you can actually sit in that space and actually feel I'm already healed and imagine what that is like and feel it from your heart, that's a powerful prayer. That's Mm. a really powerful manifestation space. Mm. Yeah, I am all about that. Um, Connecting with the version of us that is already living um, in that sort of result that we want and how we want to feel most importantly. And when we can access that version of us, which we definitely can, and I call it the her work, it's kind of my signature work. And it's it's about connecting with her, that version of us, but also she leads us to all these different places, which is why it's not just all about forward. Sometimes like that ancestral healing, because I mean, I say forward and back loosely because I know it is all happening in this now moment, but it's this beautiful, like extra layer of wisdom available to you. And when you can feel into that version of yourself that doesn't experience pain and really feel it in your heart. Like you're saying, that is the, that's the source of magnetism right there. Because I also know too, that the brain, if you're feeling it in that moment, it doesn't know the difference between what is quote unquote real and what is not just like a dream. You can have a dream that your loved one died and wake up panicky, screaming in tears. And it, the brain didn't know what was happening in that moment. Your loved one died. And then you wake up and now the brain's going, wait, wait, okay, hang on. That's not what's real. It's always just responding to what we're feeling and so that is such a powerful place yeah Yeah. um oh go ahead oh no it's okay if you want to build on that go for it i was just going to say that the other thing about the ancestral piece is the egg that was me wasn't just in my grandmother in my mother it was also in my grandmother 
And the egg that was in my grandmother was in her grandmother. So the things that my her grandmother experienced energetically, vibrationally, I, you know, I'm experiencing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's a way kind of from the sciencey mind, if you're if your listeners need kind of a little bit of grounding and like, how does this ancestral stuff work? It's like it gets passed down as information through the DNA on some level. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's a couple things. There's DNA that's the hard wiring, like the, the hardware on your computer. And then there's the soft wiring that we call epigenetics which is more environmental, which is like the program running on your computer. And we, the ancestral clearing work works on the epigenetic level, which is really where healing happens. It doesn't happen in the hard, hard drive. It happens in the programming, mm-hmm. right? So we're working at, we're working with that energy. And, and this is why I feel like, you know, Reiki works and, and um, the more esoteric parts of um, acupuncture where they're working on, there's an actual ancestral meridian uh, that they that they can access as part of the meridian system. So that that because I'll 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 walk into my acupuncture sometimes and we'll work on the gallbladder or the or the stomach channel or whatever. But sometimes we work just on that ancestral piece. Mm-hmm. It just it kind of depends on what's happening with me at the time. And they know the acupuncturist knows exactly how to approach that. Right, it's great. Mm. I love that you say that. And I'm obsessed with epigenetics, um, Bruce Lipton and work of Joe Dispenza as well. And I'm just all about this in the season of my life. It's been, it's been in my life for over a decade. I read the biology of belief many, many years ago, but now it's really coming back into like, okay, this is the focus right now of truly recognizing, combining that with my always obsession of the quantum and all of my years of learning and practicing that coming together. I just feel like is such a powerful place of unlimited possibility. And I also believe healing and clearing this stuff. And I love that you're talking about that. One thing you mentioned um, a little bit ago that I meant to come back to that I was really curious about is the way that chronic pain rewires the brain and knowing kind of where we are in the conversation and where we are now, knowing that we can reprogram that when you have been so programmed, cause that's something that I didn't even fully realize. I don't even think I still fully realize it, but some days I'll be really overwhelmed and being highly sensitive. And I have a rich inner world. I have three children, a busy business, lots of stimulation. And sometimes I can't place what's overwhelming me. And then I've started realizing when I'm in pain, I'm almost like walking around more overwhelmed as a base point without even mentally realizing it. Almost like my nervous system has so much static because I'm in pain that I'm extra irritable. And I've just started to kind of be able to vocalize and say to my husband, like, I think I'm actually a little bit extra irritable because I'm in pain. Like I could say it's the noise, it's the this, it's the plans, it's the whatever. But actually I kind of noticed that baseline and the way I reacted things. I'm more, um, I've just become more aware that I'm more defaulting into my program beliefs of like, I'm alone and nobody understands me. And, you know, nobody gets me, nobody cares. It's like my old stuff is more at the surface when I'm in pain. So I'd love to just hear your, you know, take on that, but also just how pain, uh, pain reprograms the brain, especially chronic living with it. And it kind of being your normal that, yeah, that must radically change the brain. It does. Um, I, I'm not, you've asked a very big question and I'm going to try and, and thumbnail the answer for you. Um, 
and kind of what's coming in. Um, so what you've described to me is what I might describe as this is how we do life when this happens, right? So you've just described a very busy life. And, and in, in this culture, uh, uh, things are done very fast. It's just kind of the way we're wired, unfortunately. And so the nervous system picks up on that stuff and it's, it's going to react the best it can with what's coming in in the moment. And what you're describing to me is you're kind of okay and then you're not, right? So what you're describing to me is a stress response that's gone off balance, that's gotten out of whack and a, and a, and a, and a vagus nerve that's gone dysfunctional. That's, um, and, and, and so that's what overwhelm is. Um, and your stress response is having difficulty getting back to normal. So if I was saying to you, are you always looking for the next thing? Like, where's the threat? Are you kind of, you have, there's a part of you that's kind of doing this, like always looking for, you know, ready for the next whatever. That's chronic, that's a brain on chronic pain. I, I know it well because I've had to heal from it. I'm still, I'm, I'm a lot better than I used to be. But I, when, I'm, when I go kind of unconscious and unaware, I'll go right back into my old, um, I better get, I better, I better guard myself because something's going to happen, right? And I can, when I, and I'm, I'm well enough now and aware enough now that I, when I feel myself contract, I'm like, oh, I'm back in that space again. I'm not in the flow. I need to breathe. My breath has shortened and I need to breathe. Now, here's the good news. The good news is A, we can rewire, which for years, the doctors are like, you're going to be with this. This is, this is your life. There wasn't anything. There was no rewiring. That wasn't an option, right? So there's an option. And, and then the other thing is um, uh, the breath is our friend. So we can leverage the breath. And the breath, the mind follows the breath. And the nervous system, the vagus nerve, it's all wrapped up in the breath. So mm -hmm. if we can do a nice, calm, deep breath, the heartbeat slows down, the mind calms down, and all of a sudden, like the nervous system's like, oh, I'm safe after all, right? Mm -hmm. Three minutes of that, and it takes a minute for the nervous system, three minutes for the nervous system to get the message, but you can hack into the nervous system and get it to calm right down. So it's not like it's doing it to you. You can empower yourself mm, out of overwhelm. I really do notice the breath, like, holy man, where I all of a sudden become aware I'm breathing with like, it feels like 1%. It's like, I'm almost, I sometimes laugh. I'm like, how are you even still standing? Cause it feels so shallow and so narrow. It's like, I will just stand to be alive. I will not bring in any, any more oxygen. It's shocking because I do practice breath work and practice being present and connecting. And then as soon as like you were saying, you're you're triggered into something or whatever it is that happens. And I'll, all of a sudden I'll be doing the dishes or something and I'm aware I'm barely breathing at all. And yeah, that conscious, sometimes I take like just a big one in a big one out and then kind of bring in a nice fluid. But even that 
that big one in, I feel this like sigh in my, probably my nervous system, my cells. I just feel this relief of like, okay, we're not literally fighting for our life because there's barely any oxygen. Um, yeah, it's very interesting with the breath. So we're hitting the body on, we're hitting the body. We're hitting the mind through the breath and we're hitting the spirit through what are we carrying and what meaning are we making? And, 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 um, and am, am I, am I in the flow or am I, you know, swimming against the current? Am I trying to push the universe or <laughs> which, which, you know, I, I can do, <laughs> I, I can totally do that. Um, when I go unconscious, which, you know, when I get, uh, you know, going during the day, sometimes I, I mean, it's a practice for me to thank God I have a yoga practice every morning. I sit and I do this practice and the meditation, I'll get maybe halfway through my meditation I'm, and my mind comes in and says, okay, we're so done with this. It's time to get up and do whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm going to sit here and finish this. Right. Yeah. Here's the thing, guys. When I hit that point where I'm so done with this and I want to get up and leave, and I stay with my meditation, that's when the rewiring's happening. Mm. That's when we are growing our capacity to be, we're, we're quieting the mind, we're healing chronic pain, we're, we're changing, rewiring, we're changing those old behaviors. I'm, my attitude is calming, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, and, I'm, and I'm learning to be more present and I'm learning to kind of, you know, uh, learning a new way to live and learning a new way to live. And, and this is what Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton are talking about. Mm -hmm. We, and, and this is what you're talking about in terms of manifesting. Like, well, you have to do the inner work in order to even get there. Mm -hmm. For me to even do the visioning work of like, oh, uh, uh, this is what it's like, because I, I broke my arm in seven places a few years ago. And, and, uh, and the beauty of that accident was, when we looked at the x-ray, the bones broke in place. There was no twisting or anything. So it was just like, all we needed was a cast. So that was a blessing, but it was like, all right, the healing work was imagining the bones already healed. Mm -hmm. And, and I got comments from, from all my different healers. I, you know, I had a, I had a, um, an acupuncturist and a functional doctor and I had the orthopedic guy and the ther physical therapist and they're all going, man, you're an amazing healing machine. But I'm bringing all these beautiful tools in. So mm -hmm. you go back to your last question. I kind of feel like we can heal anything and we're physical beings. And, you know, we kind of, you know, there is a time when we drop the body. So, you know, we kind of have to deal with that, right? I love that someone said, wow, you're a real like healing machine. And you came from a place of you're never going to heal. Like what a night and day experience that you have to the point where people outwardly are saying, wow, what's your secret versus you're never going to heal. Like that's a drastic difference, which is a, you know, obviously a testament to this work and what you've committed to and, and the healing power of the body and of source and of all these different tools that you're talking about. Um, that's just incredible. And I love that you're 
that you're bringing this and that you've been able to heal yourself in this way. It's truly remarkable and so inspiring. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause the other day I was saying to my husband, I'm like, I just have, it's just chronic pain. And I don't even usually say those words because I just don't give it fuel, but it's been there for a long time. And so I was like, it's just chronic pain. He's like, okay. I'm like, it's just, you know, pain of unknown causes. Like people get diagnosed fibromyalgia, all this stuff. I'm like, nobody even knows what it is. And he's like, okay, like, is this a good thing? What are we doing? And I felt so empowered to be like, if no one knows what it is, then that means I can heal it. Not that if someone knew what it was, I couldn't heal it, but it was just this liberating moment of like unknown causes. Like I'm the denominator here. I am a powerful person. It's not even something that even someone else would say I'm doomed to suffer with, which I still believe can, can be healed always. But it just was this liberating, like, oh, I'm the denominator here. I can do this. There's actually, it just was clear to me. And I've been fed the opposite story my entire life, just like you were. It's like, you're never going to heal from this. And you're not going to, you know, by 40, by 50, you're not going to be in a very good place. And, you know, having children and being active and no, you can't work out in this way. No, you can't do that. And it just was like, eh, I don't, I don't really buy it. I really do feel like there's more for me here than all of this. And so, yeah, I just love hearing your story about it. It's just so inspiring. Um, I would love to, before we wrap up to pivot, because I know addiction is something that you are really passionate about. And I myself, suffered with, with addiction. And for me, it was, I mean, I already had chronic pain at that time. So I'm very interested in thinking about it, the connection between the trauma, the chronic pain, the addiction. And I know I'd love to hear like your, your perspective on how those thread together, because I know the people in my community, um, experiencing a lot, being through a lot, being highly sensitive, all this stuff are prone to addictive behaviors, whether it's food, drugs, alcohol, shopping, whatever else we do. We, even the pain, like you're saying, addicted to the pain, addicted to being the victim, addicted to, you know, these things. I just love to hear your perspective around addiction. Beautiful. Thanks for the question. Uh, important question. And I, and I present on this from time to time. Um, so what I've noticed, and, and it, it's not just me, um, I don't know what Joe Dispenza would say about it, but I know Dr. Gabor Mate and uh, Bessel van der Kolk would agree that um, before addiction, there was chronic pain, and before chronic pain, there was unresolved trauma. Mm -hmm. What is trauma? Trauma is isn't so much what happens to us, what, what happened to us, it's what happens within us because of what happened to us. So it's when we disconnect, right? And that just gets, when that goes unresolved, that turns into chronic pain. That's like let down and, and a lot of protection instead of openness, we, we protect, right? We're, we're made to connect. It's a, Deb Dana calls it a biological imperative, which I thought was awesome that she brought that in as like one of the parameters for life. <laughs> it's like we, as humans, we have to connect. But when we, uh, when we have trauma and we're sitting, we're living in a trauma response, we're protecting. It's the opposite. It's not connecting. So this is addiction is not connecting, right? So um, addiction is, and I love that you brought that part in, any behavior you continue to do that has negative consequences on your life. So it can be, you know, a, a lots of, in, in Recovery 2.0, it's Tommy Rosen's platform. I'm a Recovery 2.0 trained coach, recovery coach. Um, there's six addictions, um, <clears throat> drugs, alcohol, relationship, uh, 
uh, money, food, and technology. And in relationship, that includes sex, of course, a codependency. And then there's, he says there's four others. I say there's five. He calls them the four aggravations. And I had a fifth one, uh, procrastination, a self-doubt, resentment, and negative thinking. And I had a fifth one, judgment, <laughs> right? So there's, that's like 11 things right off the top that, that, you know, we, that can sit as addictive tendencies. And, and um, why are we doing that? Because we're looking, we disconnected for ourselves and we're looking somewhere else to fill this thing. And we have to turn around. We're looking in the wrong direction. We need to turn within because the answer's in here. That's why we do this work. So we're, we're doing these addictive things because we're trying to find safety in the world. And it's the only way we know how, because we're trying to get around on our wits because that's the way, you know, we've done life. <laughs> that's the way we do life as a human species. You can kind of go back. I kind of did. I went back in evolution and kind of looked at the human race. Maybe we've been in addictive behavior for a long time. <laughs> right? yeah. So we don't have to stay there. We have to, this is why I do the work and you do the work. We want to wake up to our true self and, and get beyond this conditioning of, of looking away and looking away and turn and, and come within, reconnect, right? With source. It's, inter it's, it's interesting, the connection piece. I've heard, I heard somebody say something a few years ago where they were talking very much like that about um, connection. And they were saying when somebody drinks or does drugs or even food for just for an example of something physical, they are, are actually connecting with the alcohol, like trying to bond, like trying to connect. Whereas I always thought I was numbing my mind. It was too intense to be in my mind. Like, just take me out. I want to raise my vibration because I'm way down here. So I have a drink and now I'm up here, you know, woo, that sort of false sense of, I feel better. But even that we're connecting to the food or to the drug or to the alcohol, have you heard of that? Or is that what you're saying? Well, I would, I would say it's interesting. We, I just got out of a food addiction meeting and we were reading um, Janine Ross book, When Food is Love. And she was talking about um, food and intimacy and love. And I was, and, and, and she was saying that um, compulsion is, it, it's, uh, uh, compulsion is different than love right? Uh, then we have a good relationship with food, a mindful relationship with food. Then we're getting, we're getting, um, we're getting nutrition and nourishment on all levels. When we have a compulsive behavior, we're looking away. We're looking, we're looking, we're, we're looking for something. We're looking, it's kind of like looking in the refrigerator for like, I don't even know why I'm here, but I'm looking here. I'm looking for something, but it's not food, but it's, I don't know what else to take. So I'm going to take some food. So it's kind of like, what are you doing when you're, when you're participating? And um, I don't happen to see anything particularly healthful about consuming alcohol. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it's just a poison in the body. Um, so I'm not sure how useful that is, but in terms of food, um, it's like, what are you doing with it? Mm. Why are you Why are you eating, right? Are you eating to soothe or are you eating to nourish yourself? Mm -hmm. 
Right. Yeah. That connection piece and the, the, yeah. What are you looking for? What are you eating um, for? I remember when I was in my eating disorder and I was knee deep. And of course, for me, it was always focused on losing weight. And I'd weigh myself a million times a day and restrict and fast and cleanse and this and log all my calories. It was just that type of situation for many years. And I remember one day I was on the treadmill and I was running so hard, like, you know, everything was in punishment and I harder and more. And I was in that and I just heard this voice that I know now is one of my spirit guides, but I had no idea, but I heard this voice going like, who are you losing weight for? And it was this little voice. And I kind of went like, and I just pushed it out. Cause I was like, Oh, this is going to get in the way of my cardio. Like I can't ponder this stuff right now, you know, but I, it stuck with me. And there's times where I hear that same tone of like, what are you doing this for? Like when you start a business and you're trying to get clients or you're trying to make money and it's like, for who, for what, why? And, and I just thought that was interesting. It just came up as you were saying that about like, what are you eating for? You know, who are you trying to lose weight for? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, that was just kind of came up. I just wanted to share that. That connection thing is interesting because um, I've had some, I was a gardener and an organic gardener for a couple of years and, and I had some really, when I was in my 20s, and I had some really profound experiences. And so I can sit and eat a salad and and just consume it because I'm freaking hungry. And, and then I got to go to my next thing, which is one way of eating a meal. I'm not really being present, but I'm, you know, that's kind of a fast way of doing, not mindful. Or I can sit and, 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 and just focus and be present in my salad and you know, understand that I'm eating the sun when I eat vegetables and oh, sweet dog, and um, and and be grateful for all the people that grew it and 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 uh, and, and made sure that I, I you know transported it and to the store and that and the, 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 the shopkeeper that that made sure it stayed fresh so I could buy it and the people that um, take put the gas help me put the gas in the car so I could go to the store and come back to my place and et cetera. Right. So what what's happening when I'm eating? Mm-hmm. Where is what am I connecting to? Mm-hmm. Am I connecting to the next moment that I'm I gotta go do this thing? Or am mm-hmm. I connecting to the the energetic field of what's happening with the food that I'm eating? Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm connecting so to like nourishing the body and, and, and chewing my food and having a, a lovely sensational thing or, or am I like, now I've got to slam food because I got to go do a thing. Like, yeah, they're completely different. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just one moment. My dog just opened the door. Just one second here. If you push my door hard enough, it opens. So my dog is just, we just have a puppy. And so she's learning. So anyway. That's the thing about dogs. They love to open doors, but they don't know how to close them. <laughs> oh, hey, you're in here. I thought you were hiding from us. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. And, and about the food, I hear you with that. And I've really taken on in my healing journey 
asking and trying to bring that intention, even when it's a salad, because sometimes, or a salad that I'm running off to a thing, because I'll do that where I'll, you know, create a salad because I know I just have a brief amount of time between clients. And sometimes I am scarfing and I'm checking my phone about getting back to a client or something, but I really make an intention. It's important to me, like drinking water, like moving my body to at least check in for a moment. And what I like to do is I like to look at the colors because that to me is nutrients. That's source. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's vitamins, that's nutrients, that's source energy. That's the miracle of the colors that we get to see and the taste we get to experience and the pleasure that comes with source, the experience of our senses. So even if in the moment, I'm not totally experiencing it with all my senses, because I am rushing off to something, I'll take just a mini moment, like, I'm so grateful for all of this cabbage or all of this, you know, whatever is in my food, because that, that it it just feels like it makes such a difference in the energy. And even coming back to the connection piece, it connects me to my food in a positive way, which at one point was the exact opposite, because even if it was a salad, it would be this many calories. And I wish I had the cheeseburger. And like, there was nothing peaceful about what I was, the way I was eating. So I love that you said that about being mindful and not just your typical like mindfulness with food. It's like, it's a healing experience. And I'll (laughs) PS, I do the same thing for chocolate. I will enjoy that chocolate. And I love getting really good quality. And I'm the person getting like 90% or whatever. You don't have to do that to each his own, but I I will take a minute. Yeah. I will take a minute to appreciate what it feels like in my body, in my mouth, the, the tones, like you said, like the people that came into contact with this product and how grateful I am, I could afford to buy it. And I just try to go all the different aspects in that moment that I can see that feel relevant in the time to bring that gratitude. And I'll also always throw in, I'm so grateful I can eat this without guilt or shame, just because like it's, and I don't even say guilt or shame. I just kind of say, I'm so grateful I can eat this freely to myself. I bring in that nudge because at one point it was not that case. And I'm so grateful to be out of that. So anyway, I just love that you bring in that, that sort of intention and that connection, um, to things like food, even if we don't have a lot of time, even if we're just grabbing it quickly between things that we got to (laughs) do. Yeah. So with addiction, um, I, I, so you said, just to go back, you said that the unresolved trauma first is the unresolved trauma, then comes the chronic pain and then the addiction or the addiction and then the chronic chronic pain and then then the addiction to deal with it because we don't know how to deal with any of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it creates this disconnection in the, in within, and that creates the chronic pain. That's Mm -hmm. painful. Now that can, that starts, starts as emotional pain, but it can certainly journal into journal over into physical pain. Remember you can't separate mind, body, and spirit. So what you do to one, you do to all, and they're all kind of interconnected in there, enmeshed, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, yeah, so uh, unresolved trauma, chronic pain, addiction. Beautiful. And the brain, you know, the brain is changed by chronic pain and addiction. And Mm -hmm. I would go so far as to say the brain is changed by that is changed by the unresolved trauma. Mm. I just, I'm not sure what it looks like in the brain right away. I can't, I can't just right in the moment. I I don't know how long it takes to go from disconnection to into chronic pain because the, you know, you're going to see those changes. Mm-hmm. You have a trauma and you and you're you you can you can you can heal from it. Great, but if the ones it's the one that we don't, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, this has been so powerful. So before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to say? Is there anything left unsaid? Anything? Because I know there are a lot of listeners dealing with exactly what we're talking about today. Addiction, chronic pain, feeling a lack of connection, unresolved stuff, and kind of, is there anything else um, for the people listening that you want to pass on? Because these people are also magical beings that are here to create amazing lives and don't want to be held back anymore and feel blocked by these things are really ready to do the work. Is there anything that you feel is necessary for them to know right now? One, one more piece is, you know, uh, I, I, doctors are important. I'm not dissing doctors, but I am going to say this. Doctors can set a bone and they can stitch up a wound, but they can't tell the body how to heal. The greatest healer lives inside of us in every cell. And when we really fully realize that and take that in, that's when we can start really envisioning that healing space. You are your greatest healer. Wow. Yeah. I love that. It's so, so true. And thank you for empowering people to recognize that. Mm -hmm. And then kind of like we touched on, then you have your support team to support you knowing that you have an innate power an innate healing ability. The body in fact wants to heal. It wants to find homeostasis. Your nervous system wants to chill out. Um, so knowing that we can do that starting from within and then gathering your team of people who are like-minded, who resonate, whether it's, you know, therapy, mentoring, acupuncture, energy healing, like just having them support you and remind you of that power versus fixing you because you can't do it yourself. I just, that's such an important distinction. I love that you said that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. My pleasure. I, I, um, I get orders from the doctor and, and I get, I get, um, uh, I get exercises to do from my physical therapist and I get uh, my functional doctor tells me what to eat <laughs> and my, my intuitive, you know, I kind of understand what my dietary needs are. And so I eat. So my body is to, is to uh, feed water, exercise, rest the body. The best I can, given the orders that all my support team suggests, all their suggestions, and then get out of the way and let the body do the work. Mm. That's the thing. Yeah. I love that. Okay. One more question. <laughs> we really should be wrapping up, but one more question on that with food. Do you feel that there are some foods that across the board, um, I know that you're not, you know, nutrition isn't the specialty, but I know you're very passionate about food and that you have a lot of education. So do you feel that there are inflammatory foods and all these things that people talk about across the board that aid in chronic pain? Or do you think that once you get to this more place of these other aspects and healing that you'll then be intuitively led to what's right for you? Or is it a combination of both? Well, I would say it's a combination. And I would say if you're in chronic pain, uh, for me, I, I when I looked at the diet aspect, we discovered foods I was sensitive to, foods I actually had developed allergies to, and foods that I was eating that are known to be inflammatory. And we just took all of those out. <laughs> we just took them all out. Now, what we discovered, um, I think Dr. Goodbinder, who's the Epigenetics Healing Center, 
he ran, I think it was a blood test he ran on me. We discovered I have a very sensitive uh, inflammatory response. So our response to inflammatory foods, very sensitive. So for me, I have to kind of look at what are the foods that are on this list of inflammatory foods? Okay, they're not on my diet, right? So now it doesn't mean because I'm on a I'm on a, a carefully, you know, I'm a careful diet. However, it doesn't mean that I don't, I, I've, I've done this, I, I maybe about two years ago, maybe three years ago, before COVID hit, maybe three years ago, um, I was out at an, an event and we went out to a restaurant and everybody was having pizza. I had a salad. And let me tell you something, that pizza was just like, the smell was just like, I was, oh my God. And I had a piece, of, I was just like, whatever, I'm going to be fine. I'm still going to, I'm going to enjoy myself. And I had a piece of pizza and I was fine. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't like blow me up or anything. It's kind of like, we have to be careful. Right? We just, so it didn't hurt me to have a, a lovely piece of pizza. I felt that cheese in my belly a little bit. Um, uh, Cause I, I can't digest the base protein protein in, in milk. So I, I, I'm not really good at cheese digesting it, but it wasn't like a big thing. It's not like I had irritable bowel, like you used to have. It's not like that. It's just like, okay, we're not going to do that again for a while, but I enjoy it while I had it. And I think my body was able to um, assimilate as much as it could. And then, you know, I, but it didn't blow me up is the point in terms of didn't get all kinds of pain inside of me because of it. Mm -hmm. And I think in those experiences, that's what I was like with alcohol. Um, I cut it out for a lot of years and then every once in a while would have a drink. And it was, it, it also though taught me intuitive guidance and going like, okay, it's, it's almost like, you know, it's not going to feel great, but you're like, I'm just going to enjoy it. And you know, it did taste, it smelled good. It felt right in the moment, but then you go, yeah, I should feel that cheese in my gut for a few hours. So without right. getting hard on ourselves, it's like that note to self. And that's okay. what I found with alcohol is every single time I'm like, you actually feel worse after that drink. And it just like, oh yeah, it doesn't feel good. Oh yeah. To the point where I'm like, you know what? I don't need that. So even those moments, it's good to practice that. Like, I'm just going to let myself have it, that grace, that self-compassion, enjoy it, be in the moment. And then also how did it feel though? Memo note to self, cheese doesn't always feel great. <laughs> the problem though, that's, yeah, yeah, that's true. The problem with alcohol, just for the listening audience is that if we're actually an alcoholic and we go into recovery and we stop drinking, the problem with alcohol is it's a progressive disease. Mm -hmm. So we're, if we go back out and we, and we have a drink, we're, we're, we're starting where we left off. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're starting the body remembers and wherever it is that you were, you end up back there, which is probably, you know, so we, we, we can get depressed pretty quickly. <laughs> if we were already at a bottom, we'll go right back there. Mm -hmm. So just a, an important note. Mm -hmm. I just yeah, had and... people that have gone, I'm part of Narcotics Anonymous, but we, we still have people that could go back out, um, out of recovery, they'll go back out and, you know, pick up their drug of choice and they don't come back. Yeah. The, 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 and the, the alcohol will take you out, but so will the drugs. I mean, because you end up, you don't, you're not starting from like, I never had this. You're starting from the bottom that you came from, which was not pretty. Right. Yeah. And that's good to clarify with mine. It wasn't 
alcoholism. Um, so when I'm kind of finding my own balance with it, yes, I definitely hear you. And there are many people, I know several people close to me that are sober and need to be sober completely and not just, Oh, I'll just have a drink. So I totally understand there's personal journey there and always listen to what's best for you. Um, but yes, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. Uh, where are the best places for us to find you for anyone that either wants to work with you or check out what you're doing and what you're offering? Where can we find you? Thank you. You can find me at my website, which is Elizabeth with a hyphen Kip, K-I-P-P.com. You got to put the hyphen in there because Elizabeth Kip.com is a web designer and a photographer and she's amazing, but she's not me. Yes. <laughs> Elizabeth-kip.com. And uh, you can find me there. Uh, you, you know, you can, and you can contact me from there. So I'm all over social media, but you can find all of that on the website. Beautiful. I will make sure to link that in the show notes. So everybody make sure to check that out and follow Elizabeth and see what she's up to. This is really huge things um, and advancements that we're going through right now with realizing what chronic pain is, you know, what is treatable, the power that we have inside. And I also like to tell my, my students and my clients, it's important to find people out there that are activators for you that have these belief systems, these tools that are showing you, listen, this is possible. Right. And I think that that's what this episode is going to do for a lot of people is, you know, for some people, it's just going to open them up to it. Other people take them along on their journey to show this truly is possible not only possible, it's happening all the time. People are healing their pain. People are moving through healing their traumas, you know, really getting into this better state of, of feeling better and healing their bodies. It's 100% possible. So make sure to find Elizabeth to continue to be expanded and, and really see that proof. Cause our brain loves proof. Our, our brain loves to see something over and over to go, okay, wait, maybe that is possible for me too. So make sure to check her out and follow along. Thanks again so much, Elizabeth. It's been a joy talking to you and I can't wait to connect in the future. My, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I genuinely hope that it helped you in your life and it inspired you. If you want to find more from me and my guests, make sure to check the link in the show notes, find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook. I am at Talia Joy Manifestation. Make sure to take a screenshot that you're listening to the show. Come and tag us over on Instagram. Let us know your takeaways. We love to hear about people manifesting their dream lives. So make sure to check the link in the show notes. There are also some free goodies down there for you. I'll see you in the next episode. Oh,